Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Gray Matter Podcast. My name is David Thacker. I'm a partner here at Greylock, and we're excited today to have Eddie Vivas with us. He's the CEO and founder of Curator.com. As we announced recently, Greylock just invested in the Series B of, of Curated, and I've known Eddie for quite some time now. He and his three co-founders, uh, we work pretty closely together at LinkedIn, so excited to have him on our show today. Welcome, Eddie. Thanks for having me here, David. Okay, Eddie, uh, let's start off. My first question for you, you know, maybe you could spend one minute telling us how you ended up in, in Silicon Valley. Sure. My intro to the Valley was a little different than most. I dropped out of high school. I started my first company uh, due to the inability to raise any venture capital and uh, bootstrapped it from the ground up. It was an ad tech company. This is in the wild, wild west of the internet. I got a little bit of luck, a lot of hard work, did well, but realized after about six or seven years of doing that, that I didn't love what I was doing. I sold that business and started another company uh, that I was very passionate about called Bright.com. And the idea behind Bright was that we'd be able to use AI to help companies identify who they should hire. The idea being that between a resume and a job description, there's a lot of interesting information that you can extract and you could identify people who would have been otherwise overlooked. Uh, about three years into that journey, LinkedIn approached us and uh, I made the decision to, to sell the company and join LinkedIn. Uh, there I led our talent solutions business, which is where I met you. You're my boss there. And where I thought I was going to come in and uh, have a, an easy rest invest, I, I, I definitely uh, worked my, uh, my back off uh, trying, to, trying to learn as much as I could and, 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 and build our business there. Towards the end of my tenure, just as I was about to leave, Microsoft went and uh, acquired LinkedIn. And there was uh, quite a few people there who knew that I was going to start my next business, people who were, were beyond my, uh, my imagination that I'd get the opportunity to work with, who said, uh, as much as I love Microsoft, I, I think uh, um, I'm ready for something new. Their curator was born. Terrific. And tell us about Curated. I mean, it's an e-commerce marketplace startup. Give us an overview of what Curated does and how it works. The idea behind Curated is that whenever you're making a major decision, it's always best with the advice of a friend or an expert. And so what we do is we connect consumers to experts who give them unbiased advice with regards to purchases. Uh, in our case today, we focus on the outdoor. So think of that as like somebody who's looking to buy a set of golf clubs or a snowboard or a bike. With the way that the process uh, tactically works is a consumer will come in and we'll ask them uh, 10 to 15 questions. So we'll ask them things like, what's your skill level? What's your, your age and your height and your weight? What's your budget? Um, what are you looking to improve? And then based on that, we decide what's the right expert to connect them to based on that expert's background. The consumer and the expert will go back and forth, initially on our website and then over text messaging. And then the expert will send a set of uh, recommendations, we call them curations to a consumer, on here's what I think would be best for you and why. And then when the consumer um, decides that they want to they they buy those things, they can actually check out on our site. Great, yeah, so it's a, it's a pretty unique model. I mean, that's one of the things that attracted us to the company. The idea of of consumers going online and getting free expert advice, uh, unbiased advice uh, from people about you know important product decisions is is really compelling. 
Can you talk a little bit about the, the founding of the company, the impetus for it, and, and how you got the idea and, and, and the early days of the, the company? Yeah, so the idea is one that I'd had for, for 10 years, but always kind of dismissed it as something I would actually try to go start due to the difficulty of building a three-sided marketplace and one where you have to vet the supply so well, meaning in our case, our experts, where you have to think through how do you like load balance things in a, in a real-time basis. But the story behind it was one where I actually had a personal experience that where I went on a snowboarding trip and uh, I'd go on this trip every year for three or four years. And it was with a group of friends who were all great skiers. I'm from Florida, so naturally not, didn't have that much experience doing so. And while I loved spending time with my friends, I absolutely was miserable when I'd go out there because the entire time I'd be afraid of falling or hurting myself or just not being able to keep up. So uh, one day I decided to, I was like, I'm going to hire a, an instructor and see what I'm doing wrong here. And when I walked up to the instructor, you know, walked him through my background, he was like, well, I don't know what the hell you're doing. And I didn't know what he was talking about. And he looked at the gear I was using and essentially I had gone and bought all the most expensive stuff. I'd bought a carbon fiber snowboard, you know, the stuff that all the pros use, uh, super stiff boots. And sure enough, I was just using all the wrong things. And so... We ski down to the bottom of the mountain, we go to the store, we rent the cheapest stuff in the store, all meant for beginners, and it completely changed the game for me. I was just on all of the wrong things, and that's when it kind of clicked in my head from an idea that I had had where I felt like we need a better way of connecting people who have knowledge to those who need it. Yeah, having the right equipment is so key for any of these activities like golf or skiing, and I think really online you're, you're missing the ability today to, to talk to to an expert can, that can help you through a purchase decision much like you'd find in a specialty retail shop or something like that you know talking about retail the retail industry is going through some pretty profound changes right now even before the pandemic but but with the pandemic has certainly accelerated those how has that created an opportunity for curated obviously you'd have to be living under a rock to not realize that retail has been completely transformed due to covid for us, the retail landscape changed by virtue of the fact that historically brands in our category just relied on brick and mortar. The vast, vast majority of sales in the categories we operate in, and today it's in outdoor sports, were all done in stores. And convincing brands to work with you was always a really challenging thing. But with COVID, brands uh, rethought their strategy. They knew that digital had to be part of it. And we got the opportunity to start working with them. And one thing led to another. Once you land one brand, the next one wants to start working with you. And yeah, things snowballed from there. Great. And when you were thinking about when you started the company, like how you wanted the, the customer experience to be, you know, what were the values and norms that you instilled from the beginning? There's two that immediately come to mind. One is we were experts first. This belief that uh, if we take good care of our experts, they're going to take good care of our customers because at the end of the day experts are at the heart of what matters at curated they're, they're like they're our biggest asset and the second is to keep our experts unbiased one thing that happens in retail is there's a lot of spiffing that goes on in the background you know if you sell three of this item in a month you get a bonus of a hundred dollars or salespeople can be commissioned based on margins so they might sell you something that is kind of the right thing because they're going to make a little bit more money on it. And keeping experts unbiased, I think, is 
incredibly important because at the end of the day, what we sell to a consumer more than a product is just trust and advice. Yeah, it's really rare you see that these days in commerce. We've talked quite a bit about how Curated has invested heavily in your, your technology stack to provide this customer experience. I know you pulled some of the most talented technical people out of LinkedIn to found the company with you. Tell me about them and then tell me about what you've had to build to get the, the company up and running. The thing that behind Curated that makes it such a tough technical problem is that we can't really use many third-party platforms. And having that strong engineering team from the beginning was incredibly important because we had to build the majority of our tech stack from the ground up. One of the challenges that we ran into was while we identified product market fit quite early, consumers appreciated the ability to talk to somebody and get unbiased advice and experts loved getting paid to, to share their knowledge. One of the challenges was most e-commerce tools that were out there were all about I engage with a brand. I buy something from Allbirds, not one where I engage with a person. That concept is much more found in B2B tools. In the tools that did exist, it was very much a customer support type model. It was, you'll chat with somebody when you have a ticket assigned to you. Never will you chat with somebody who like that is their permanent phone number and email and they have context on everything you've done in the past and things you're looking for in the future. Another one of the big challenges that we learned quite quickly was that traditional products uh, are very linear in nature. A user goes from step one to step two and you're able to track that and understand what part of the journey they're in. Conversations are like a web. They go in every direction. So we had to build a no-code system called our trigger system to allow teams to go and say, when this happens, tag it as such, and then allow for X, Y, Z actions to happen. Um, it, it turns out that the, the hard part isn't knowing that people will enjoy this type of experience, but how do you enable it to happen at scale? While it was incredibly frustrating that it took three years, I mean, I, I, as an entrepreneur, I always want to move quickly. I think it was the right decision to build everything from the ground up because now, there are some really incredible things that we're able to make happen that would have never happened if we just stitched a bunch of 80% solutions on top of each other. Yeah. You know, in terms of building out the engineering team to, to accomplish all this, when I talk to startups, that's oftentimes the biggest problem they face is just acquiring, you know, and hiring great technical talent. You've done this, obviously, with, with quite a bit of success at Curated. Can you tell us, you know, what's the secret you're employing to get the best technical talent out there? Great. Talent attracts other great talent. That's one. And then two is just being incredibly honest with people. You know, we knew that we were going after something that was very hard to do. And so instead of trying to early on tell people that it was going to be all rockets, 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 we told them it was going to be really hard and that, you know, it was going to take a long time to do this. And I believe that smart people can call bullshit out on you really quickly. And there was a lot of people who I think appreciated the level of candor and honesty we had and we went from zero to 10 people in a matter of two weeks. But the irony of the whole thing was that we had no idea what it is that we were going to work on. We just all knew that we wanted to work together. It started with Alex, our CTO, and I deciding we were going to start a company. And Chi Lu, one of the best engineers at LinkedIn, finds out about it and says, I don't care what you guys are doing. I want in. And Annabelle Lu, who is my engineering partner, and somebody I was very close with, basically finding out and having the same reaction. And once we had that core group, the whole thing started to really snowball. 
then Joe Florencio, another one of the best, basically sees the group that's been assembled and he says, I want in. The same with Peter Ombres, who's our COO. And then at the very end, I basically realize we're onto something really special here and I start to send out some bat symbols to some of the best people I'd worked with in the past, whether it was the Kyles or Checky or Aaron or Samir. Or Rodrigo. Just unbelievable people. And one after another, like, to my disbelief, they all decided to join a company that had no idea what it was that we were going to work on. And it's a good reminder that every entrepreneur should be honest about, which is that a lot of this is luck. I mean, you do manufacture your own luck, but but this was this was also a lot of real luck and a lot of really good fortunate timing and and kicked off by Alex, who a lot of these people really wanted to work with. And at that point, I thought to myself, all right, well, <laughs> what's one of the most ambitious problems that I thought of in the past that I thought was a little too challenging to tackle. And the idea behind Curated just came to mind, which was one that I always thought would be a, a really interesting problem to solve, but one that was um, really, really hard at the same time. Terrific. Let's turn now to the marketplace. And so you know, you've described Curated as a three-sided marketplace that connects brands with experts with the consumers. So let's talk about the expert leg of the marketplace you know, how did you decide to work with experts and, and how did you build this expert community on Curated? The initial idea early on was that we would work with experts that were in retail stores with the idea that we would find the demand and that we would connect them with the person who works at the ski shop. The thing that we didn't think through was that, and it was a romanticized mistake in our mind, was that there was actually latent labor available at ski shops or at retail stores that were just not busy. And the reality is, is e-commerce has put a lot of pressure on retail stores and they keep staffed to having just enough people on hand. The second thing we saw was that a lot of retailers, unfortunately, started to, to by a matter of in virtue of cutting cost, the caliber of people in those stores were much more hit or miss. And so before we gave up on, on the idea, we, we asked ourselves, well, can we go find these experts ourselves? And it turned out the value prop of get paid to talk about the things you're passionate about <laughs> resonated really well with people. And we were able to just attract uh, a ton, ton of experts. I mean, interestingly enough, like unlike most of the other sharing economy, gig economy companies, our, our challenge is not acquiring supply or people who want to work with us. It's actually just identifying who are the best ones. And how do you do that? I mean, what's the difference between a, a good expert and a great expert on your platform? Yeah, I think a good expert answers your questions. A great expert is one that gets to know you and you build a relationship with. A great expert is the one that you, you're going to tell all your friends they should come work with them. But the way that we identify the difference between good and great is by leveraging other experts. So we have a, um, a panel model where experts hire other experts. And we specifically look for experts on our side that, are, that know how to spot the difference between good and great talent. And we also put them through a whole set of, of tests to make sure that they're going to be successful on our platform. Great. So you've got these great experts on the platform now that are helping consumers uh, with you know, free unbiased advice. You know, the, the other part of the marketplace is you've, you've attracted some pretty incredible brands onto the platform. 
tell us about that. You know, how did you attract these brands? I mean, you're a, you're a new e-commerce startup, right? Why would a brand want to work with Curated? What challenges are these brands facing when you when you talk to them? Brands have always known that experts mattered. I mean, that is the way they've always done business by partnering with retailers and you walked into a retailer and somebody could give you advice. Um, and what happened with COVID was you just, you couldn't chat with anybody anymore. You couldn't walk into those stores. And so what Curated does is take that same experience that you could have in a, in a great store experience, but, but brings it online. The reason that we became such an interesting partner for brands was because many of them tried their own direct-to-consumer strategy. And they spent a bunch of money on a website and they marketed it, but they were producing substantially less sales than they would expect. And that was due to the fact that within high consideration commerce, so anything that costs, call it over $500, you need to be able to talk to somebody to be able to feel confident in your purchasing decision. And that's not something they could offer. And to the extent that they do have somebody on their own sites that you could chat with, it's just not the same because the consumer is going to feel like they're getting a biased opinion. Great. Yeah, no, I, I can see why this is, uh, is a new and interesting channel for brands uh, to sell online. So we talked about the experts, we talked about the brands and the consumers, and you've, you've fused all this together with technology to create this delightful consumer experience. Can you talk about maybe how you think about AI uh, and using that? You know, a lot of e-commerce players have created AI chatbots that they put on their site, you know, to, to talk to, to customers or consumers. Um, and if you've used those product experiences, they're not very good. But I know you have a very talented team of folks with AI ML backgrounds. How are you leveraging newer technologies to, to improve the user experience? It's a steal from my uh, partner Alex's analogy. We're trying to build Iron Man, not the Terminator, <laughs> in that we want to make our experts more efficient by leveraging AI. And our goal is never, ever to replace them. Chatbots are an interesting thing. I mean, I think that three or four years ago, that was all of the rage. And, you know, you have to be honest with yourself and ask, would you ever spend $2,000 chatting with a chatbot? Like, would, would that ever something you would logically do? And I think the answer is no. I think that, you know, chatbots have their, their own purpose. When I, my Lyft doesn't show up and I want to ask for a $5 refund, I prefer chatting with a chatbot because the answer is going to be immediate. But it's our belief that their role is in simple customer service tasks. And, and AI is going to be all about things like how do we make the expert's experience more enjoyable? So, for example, how do I connect an expert who is an incredibly passionate backcountry skier with other customers that are interested in going in backcountry? Um, or how do I give them data about how other experts have recommended certain products so that they can learn from one another? How do we pre-sort things? So for example, if a customer is a certain size, you know, these other products on average typically fit customers well and they don't, they, uh, they don't get returned very often. But AI is all about creating efficiency and leverage for experts and less about, it's there to enhance the experience, not replace the experience. Got it. So it's, it's assistive technology that helps these experts be better experts and help their customers. Yeah, and ultimately trying to use it to help them make more money, right, and help them be more successful. Got it. And, you know, on this topic, there, there's been a lot of discussion in the industry about conversational commerce. 
right? Which I think, you know, could mean companies and brands engaging with their uh, consumer customers over text or messaging. How do you think about conversational commerce and, and does, does curated fit into this, this theme? Conversational commerce is interesting. I think a lot of companies think conversational commerce means I have my customers' phone numbers and I am just going to bulk SMS them when they get when we have promos available. While that may be an effective strategy short term, you can only do that so many times before you really start to piss people off. At Curated, we use SMS every day. Um, our experts communicate with customers both on our website on web, but uh, 90 plus percent transition over to SMS. And, and yeah, I would consider ourselves a conversational commerce company. I think that conversational commerce has incredible uses when it's relevant. So for example, if I'm buying a t-shirt, conversational commerce doesn't matter. What really matters is customer reviews. How often does it fit people of certain body types and what does it look like on the model that uh, I'm looking at? If I'm doing something that's very complicated where I need to give somebody context on my purchase and there's going to be a significant amount of back and forth, then yeah, conversational commerce is, is a perfect uh, medium for that. And I mean, that's at the heart of what we do. Great. I want to talk about the future of curated, but before I do that, I, I want to just hit one last question on this, this area about the, the current marketplace. I mean, when you built the model and you started testing it and you were rolling it out and now you've, you've scaled to a certain size, how did you know it was working? You know, I think a lot of the startups we talk to, they're really trying to figure out product market fit, right? And, and what does that mean and how do they tell that they, they found it? So, you know, were there any epiphanies for you as you built, created and, and rolled out the model where you saw that this is really working? You know, what were the signals you were looking at and, and how do you tell today that you've, you've really found something that's resonating with, with the consumers? So very early on, one of the things we did was we built a simple quiz and marketed it and tried to understand what would it cost us to acquire a customer who would answer 10 questions and give us their email and phone number. This is like day one. And we learned that as long as the questions were really relevant, we could get people to, to give us their information and, and, and want to get advice. So that was the very first step. So we knew on the consumer side there was demand. The second kind of major inflection point was around the first time that we posted ads on Craigslist to try to find experts. And we got A, inundated with applications, but B, we got asked several times whether or not this was a scam or not, because it was almost too good to be true. We had experts uh, say, you know, there's no way on earth you're going to pay me to talk about snowboards. It just didn't, didn't sound right. And so knowing that there was that much interest uh, on the expert side, you know, got us just even that much more excited. And then the evolution of kind of like product market fit in terms of like when we felt like we quote unquote had it, we're always trying to get better and, and, and making it more stronger. But I'd say the biggest kind of like moment where we knew we had something was, I believe it was our, our first, maybe our second sale. And we had customers reach out to us and say, we had a customer reach out to us and say, hey, um, I want to take care of my expert. How can I tip them? And so we, we sent a PayPal, a PayPal link out with a tip jar. And that started to become this repeated pattern where we kept getting asked for that. And then we, we added it to the site. And now the, the vast majority of our customers are tipping experts. And I say that because we have incredible reviews on the site and people say all these nice things. But I think that in the context of a retail purchase where tipping isn't the norm, 
the fact that the majority of customers are actually taking additional dollars and paying experts, I think is a, is a true testament to like real product market fit. And from there, we knew we had something and we just doubled down on building all of the infrastructure that would be required to make this experience really, really happen. Yeah, that tipping is a great example. And I'm sure part of that is you know, when you're interacting with, with real humans in, you know, in e-commerce environments, you're going to be much more likely to, to tip than if you're just interacting with an overall brand, right? It's, it's that human touch and someone's helped you. Okay, great. Well, let's talk about the future of Curated. So you know, when you look out over the next 12 to 18 months, what do you want to see the company achieve? So over the course of the next 12 to 18 months, the focus is going to be on just adding more categories. Today, Curated operates in the outdoor space. So we help customers buy golf clubs and skis and snowboards and bikes. But we want to go into all types of high consideration goods. The next most likely category is helping photographers buy cameras. But we could see a world where we help people buy vintage watches or how we help people buy cars. Anything where the concept of making the purchase online sounds very difficult, we want to make it possible. Great. So where you see friction, you see opportunity to help people purchase the right product online. For sure. And I think that that's one of those things where you see the, the least competition because it's difficult today is where there's the most opportunity. It's cheaper to acquire customers. Customers are more thankful to be able to find a service that help offers that. We like to focus on places where there are a few others. Yeah, great. And tell us about your long-term vision for the company. I mean, what are your aspirations for Curated? Our long-term vision for Curated is one where you buy everything that matters on Curated, where we've assembled the world's greatest experts that are going to give you unbiased advice, and they're just there anytime you need them. And it's one where experts increasingly have more influence and control over the platform, where um, they continue to hire other experts and bring more people onto the platform, where they continue to share their knowledge, whether it's publishing articles uh, or writing reviews on products, but a, a platform that really comes to life with expertise, where as a consumer, you get just as excited talking uh, to one of our experts as you do walking into that surf shop or whatever offline experience you have, we, we, want, we want to recreate that same feeling. Terrific. It's a really bold vision. And I had one more question for you before we wrap up. And that's, you know, as venture capitalists, we spend a lot of time trying to think about how is the world going to change uh, with the pandemic? What are the permanent changes and, and what things are going to go back to normal? When you think about the, the commerce landscape, both, you know, retail, physical commerce and e-commerce, how do you see things either going back to normal or, or changing as a result of the pandemic? I think that brands are going to increasingly start to invest much, much more into their online strategy. And a lot of really cool new things are gonna to come to life. I think that the concept of, am I a retail person that's brick and mortar, or am I a retail person that's e-commerce, like all those lines are gonna be blended. Like there's, that's, that's no longer gonna be part of the conversation. And what I'm saying right now sounds super obvious, but a year ago, was like that that's not the way companies thought about things like they they really embraced one or the other it's really just the beginning and and people often like to say that but you know if you take a look at our other places of the world specifically china there's just so much more interesting innovation that's happened in e-commerce um, and unique experiences and, and i think that hopefully curated is a good example of that uh, but there's going to be a lot more of this to come 
Great. Well, thank you, Eddie, for coming on our show today. Appreciate the perspective and, and congratulations to you and your, your team at Curated for the success you've had. We at Greylock are really excited to be investors in the company and, and can't wait to see what you all do next. And if you haven't, for our listeners, if you haven't tried the, the service and you're looking for some uh, skis or camping gear or fishing gear or golf clubs, uh, I encourage you to go to curated.com and try out the product. And, and is there a mobile app coming, Eddie? There is a mobile app. It'll be out in late June. Awesome. Looking forward to it. And thank you for having me on the show. Great. Thank you. All right. Well, thanks, everyone. Uh, That concludes this episode of our Great Matter podcast.